Welcome to Life, Music, and the Pursuit of Answers. I'm Phil Circle. I'm sitting here at Flo and Santos on South Wabash Avenue in Chicago's South Loop. Uh, hanging out with my old buddy Ian Leaf. Uh, I Hello. I don't know how long we've known each other at this point, Ian. I do. How long? Uh, nine years because I've been going through pictures in my hard drive. And because it's been 10 years that I've lived in Chicago. We moved here in 2008, my wife and I. And uh, I've been going through pictures, kind of doing like a, I like to do yearly recaps videos. Ooh, fine. Where I go through my, the, the pictures of that year and just kind of like sum up what wow. it was like. And I realized I hadn't done one in a while. I did one for 2010 and 11. And then I forgot to do one for eight and nine, so I'm going back. And then being 10 years, I'm going back and looking. And then I see a picture of the Daily Pint. And oh, that's where we met. Yeah. Almost 10 years to, because I think we met in November of 2008. So it's wow. been two, 10 years in like, or 2009. So 2009. It's been, yeah, okay. it's, been, it's been nine years and a few months. So I was, I was with my wife for a year and a few months at that point, and she was still my girlfriend. Yep, yep. I remember Ma- Megan, sitting in the back with a jean jacket. Because she, she was the only person at the, at the bar that night, you were you were up there. On, you were singing because it was uh, open mic night. You were singing. Megan was in the back. I just walked in with my thing. I was like, "She looks friendly." I'll ask her, "Are you the host?" You know, and that, that's host? right. So because you, you came for the open mic, so that was the pint on Milwaukee Avenue, Wicker Park. Yeah, the pint, not the Daily Pint. The pint yeah. Daily Pint's a yeah. barn, Santa Monica. The pint. I was just in Santa Monica, but. Strange small world of conversation that we have. Yeah, the pipe. There's going to be a lot of tangents, I'm sure. Oh, no, no question. What was it brought you to Chicago? Life. That's a good start. Life. That's uh, part of the title of this podcast, so we're off to a good start. That's, usually the, that's usually the easiest, quickest response because sometimes I get long winded about it. But since we got the time and people are listening. Yeah, I get winded. Uh, my wife and I had been in LA for a few years and decided we wanted to move back to the Midwest. We are both originally from Southern Illinois. And we looked at various cities, Nashville, Austin, which isn't Midwest, Midwest, but it's definitely not LA. Right. Uh, I needed to move somewhere that had somewhat of a big city and uh, a production industry. Because in LA, I was a video editor. And I had friends who had friends in Chicago that worked on Jerry Springer. So, so Jerry Springer brought me to Chicago. It's all Jerry's fault. All right. In a way, in a big way. So Megan used to work, my wife that is for the listeners, uh, Megan used to work at Tommy Nevins in uh, Evanston. And uh, they're now closed. And uh, right down the street is uh, um, a, a chain that I can't remember the name of at this point. But uh, one time I was waiting for her to get off work, and I was sitting in the, the, the place down at the end of the block, and Jerry Springer was sitting there. Huh? And people were bothering him and stuff. Okay. You know. yeah, but he sat all the way around the corner by the bathroom where he could have soup in, in silence, but people kept finding him anyway. But he seemed like he was polite enough. Did you ever meet him? Uh, I did meet him in, Glen- in, in very brief passing. Uh, sure. So I was an editor on the Springer show. Oh, well, I was... First as an intern and then sort of became like an assistant editor. 
working on the Steve Wilco show and Jerry Springer. Steve oh, Wilco's okay. was a spinoff. Right, right. He and was originally, what was Steve Wilco's originally? That's what I thought. He was a cop, yeah. and then he was Jerry's bodyguard, lead bodyguard on the show, to keep right. people from killing, each, killing other. each other, you know, keep it at least legal. Right. No felonies <laughs> on, on the Springer show. They could bring them, but they can't leave with them. Right. Uh, and so I went to a taping of the Springer show, and we're backstage, and Jerry's standing there, and everybody's kind of talking to him, and he kind of makes makes his little rounds, wants to meet everybody that he hasn't met before, and he's talking to all the all the guests. And he just seems like a very genuinely nice person. And everybody that I know, I know people that know him very well, and they all say he's just a real deal nice guy. And showbiz, a, a working man's kind of guy. Like he doesn't look down on his even on his, his guests. Cause he's his. It's his show. His name's on it, but he treats everybody with respect, and I kind of like that. And I, you know, yeah, my favorite part of those shows were always his last thoughts, his final thoughts at the end. He's a smart guy. I so so it, those those weren't those weren't like he was. Those weren't BS. He was just he, he was genuinely. Saying yeah, his, yeah, I think so. He yeah. seemed he seemed like the real deal, nice guy. Well, mm-hmm. I think he's a. Well, I know he was mayor. Was it Cincinnati? Yeah, that's what I heard. Yeah, I don't know where he where he grew up. I know I know he's a, he might be an East Coast guy, but he became a politician. Yeah, he did pay for a hooker with a check. I think. Whoops, <laughs> not a good idea. <laughs> Flawed, sure, but he seemed really nice. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't have much contact with Jerry, but uh, but from all reports, he was a, he was a he is he's still alive. <laughs> hey, yeah. they canceled the show, but I think he's going to do it uh, another show. I'm sure, he's got another show. He said something very funny on uh, one of the nighttime talk shows when he was on, and they asked him where does he go when the fights break out, and he said to the bank. Ah. <laughs> so apparently, true. he has a sense of humor too. True. 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 So then he came here for that. So and yeah, then, I, then he showed up at an open mic, and that's how we met. And we, you know, and you're also a musician. Yes. And yes. And yes. a songwriter. Yes. Yeah. All along the way, I've been making music. Uh, so, moved to LA with the dreams of playing music or joining a band or actually, I was ready to do anything, and I sort of fell into editing by work, you know, because I had a film background. I went to SIUE. Southern Illinois at Edwardsville communications program, so I knew how to run camera and do a little bit of this, a little bit of that production and television. And uh, I fell into editing like uh, for reality shows, and a lot of these shows needed music to fill in uh, scenes, at least temporary music until they cleared the rights to a lot of stuff. So they would say like, hey, we need a sound alike for this or that. And so I started recording and composing songs for, uh, for these reality shows. Sometimes the music was good enough and they either they didn't want to replace it or they couldn't afford the official music that they wanted or it was too expensive. Like Prince, pretty expensive to clear a Prince song. Yeah, totally. Um, so my music stayed in, and then I started kind of uh, composing for different uh, different shows, scoring a little bit with my limited knowledge of, of, of musical composition. But sometimes I just needed like reverby guitar, 
if you ever listen to like some of the 90s cock shows uh, sometimes it's just a just a either a sax just a lonely sax or oh, a, yeah, a yeah. guitar bend mm-hmm. and you can tell that it's like yeah. this cop is down on the dump down on the dump so right. he needs to figure something out or he's too old for this shit you know? right. yeah <laughs> sometimes that's all I needed so I, I would do that and you know I was always I've always been a songwriter since since I was a little kid I think I was always making up songs and stuff and I started taking it really seriously in my early 20s and wrote some songs and uh, think I thought hey I could do this all the time let's try this and so when I moved to Chicago and the video thing sort of <laughs> fell through I still do it but but Jerry Springer they moved to Connecticut uh, a lot of the industry in, in Chicago, Chicago was it's way different industry than in LA. LA is just you know TV and radio, TV and, and film and editing and post production is is pretty rampant. And in Chicago, it, it's here, but it's a lot of commercial work. It's a lot of uh, and it's also changing. The business is just always changing. The past ten years has been significantly. Uh, progressing more towards internet content. You know, the, the basics are still the same, but, but the, there's such a more technical uh, lean to it now. A- Apple just released their TV streaming yeah. service. Yeah. And it's going to be free and it's going to be self, self-funded. self It's not going to be a subscription. At least that's what I heard. It may be wrong. By the time this hits listeners, I, they may be like, what are you talking about, Phil? I just paid for my subscription. But that's what I heard. Yeah. The last two days, and it's going to be self-funded. That is, self-funded. in other words, it'll run ads or something. Right, right, yeah. right. Um, are they going to be all? Because I, I just heard something yesterday where people are getting streaming fatigue. They have too many options to watch, and they have to mm-hmm. use a spreadsheet to, to know. Oh, I can watch this on this streaming service, and that on that streaming service. I'm waiting for there to be just some company that says, "Look, you pay us, and we'll give you all." Well, that's the future. The future. Is that what Apple's cable. trying to do? Maybe. Netflix, that, Hulu, yeah. Amazon. That, that would be that would be a smart move on their part. Yada, they yada. have a, a habit of doing smart things like that. Um, but uh, yeah, maybe it's. Uh, and me, I haven't watched TV since I worked on it. <laughs> I don't watch any. I don't watch any television programs that are currently in production. I tend to always watch things. That have already, that have already come through that you know are good. And like a few years watching. ago, I watched Northern Exposure in its entirety. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of what we do. I think a lot media. of people do that. People consume things differently. I was talking to an actor uh, who's she's been at it for many, many, many years, and we were talking about that. And I brought up that I heard uh, Conan O'Brien and Bob Newhart talking about the way people consume now. And they both said it's not a bad thing; it's just a different thing. So people can can pick the tidbits they like out of a talk show. They don't have to watch the whole thing. And then, the, but then they'll go down uh, a rabbit hole with just that particular, you know, person. So, oh, that was sure. a really great interview. I want to see more, and they'll just keep picking more interviews of that, uh, or the, or a stand-up routine. They'll keep looking for more of that person. Uh, so we consume differently. And it's I a think, lot. It puts I think a lot we, of pressure on first impression. Because um, we have such a short attention span, we don't let things work on us. And maybe that's good, maybe it's bad, or maybe it's, it's, it's neither. It's just the way it is. It's just how this generation and, and 
those to come is going to experience things. With every generation, the rubber band gets pulled tightly in one direction and comes back to the middle to some degree. Um, I think I'm seeing a lot of stuff where they're talking about quality of life a lot more because of the overwhelming world that we live in. The overwhelming amount of information that we're, that we're accosted with every day. That you can be attached to the world through your handheld device, you know, 24-7 yeah. if you want. Uh, and, and you can be in communication with the entire planet, know everything that goes on everywhere all the time, and that it's becoming overwhelming to everybody, no matter their age, no matter who they are, no matter what their interests and that sort of thing. So that now we're seeing all kinds of stuff that says, uh, well, you know, uh, for instance, we got my wife and I each got new phones recently, and it has the uh, the the. the the, a button for like the health, for screen health or something like, I can't remember what they call it, but it's something where you can set it to be off or be away from you or not to, not to send you notifications between this hour and that, you know? Uh, in addition, of course, the, the do not disturb <laughs> button on it, you know? Sure, sure. But there's like, they talk more about the timeouts. You know, right, the, to do that for you. And the people are, are starting to do that for themselves, much like uh, people will realize, you know, when they get to be my age, you know, or something, you know, boy, I better start looking at what I eat, you know? Yeah. So it's, I think, I think it's our, ultimately our nature that we will, we get very excited about something, we consume it ramp, you know, ravenously, and then we find the, the detrimental aspects of that, and we continue, we, 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 we tend to, to reel it back in. Well, it's bit, changing, you know? I feel like the technology is moving at such a rapid pace that it's unprecedented before to, for us as humans. Like, we, you know, the Industrial Revolution, it gave us a couple hundred years to kind of get used to that. Cassette tapes, they had, you know, we, we had cassettes for about 30 years. We had vinyl, uh, we had television, and it took like years and years. In the past 10 years, cell phone, hey, in the past five years, oh, yeah. cell phone technology has skyrocketed. Has, has changed so much about it. There's so much about it that's, changed, that's, that's different. That just is, you're not even like, it's not even a generation thing, it's within one generation things have changed so much. And I, I just saw a notice pop up on my phone, which is what we're recording to, uh, that the, uh, the International Space Station is live. I have an app, so, I yeah. can, so when they're in the sunlight, I can watch you know, pictures from space live and watch the astronauts crawling around on the outside of the space station or inside. That is a trip. That is a it's mind-blowing and fascinating and overwhelming. And that's why, back to that aspect... No one would believe us 50 years ago. No, not at all. And what's, what's so cool, though, about it is that, you know, here we are uh, with all that, and you said we, people don't have the attention span. I think we're over-consuming to a level that because people are starting to talk about what we need to do about that, that well, they're going to start to take their downtime, and their downtime might end up being... Well, I'm I'm gonna just chill out and I'm gonna listen to podcast or, or something. At the same, you know, well, I don't gonna, know I'm what gonna just if, uh, if it's a necessary relaxing. I don't have to pay attention to you know. Or Maybe it's not a necessarily like attention span thing, but we we have no downtime anymore. I think that we all are. And maybe it's just me speaking from my perspective, but it seems it feels like there's who gets bored anymore. Nobody gets bored. Unless you're on a train and your phone dies. 
Yeah, but they have and connectors. You didn't bring a book. That, right, yeah. Right, and you don't have your charger. I'm just right. saying, like, yeah. only when you'd have to look at all the factors when, you'd have to come up with to make right. that happen. Yeah. With, with these devices, it gives us constant stimulation. You know, even when you're like, ah, I got nothing to, I got nothing to do. I got nothing. I've read all my, I've read all my emails. I've read all the news. Let's watch some old videos. Let's listen to some music. Let's, just, you know, I could listen to music all day. And I find myself like going down rabbit holes. I'll be listening to a song, and I'm like, oh, who, who sang that? And then, oh, let's see a live performance. And then that live performance leads you to another slew of videos. Hey, let's what, what, look what the guitar player was in this band. Look at that band. Oh, that band shot their video in Machu Picchu. Oh, let's learn about Machu Picchu for the next two hours. Oh, let's, let's solve the Jean Benet Ramsey case. You know, let's, let's just go down every rabbit hole, and then, then it's morning. <laughs> you gotta get up. Well, uh, so what's the positive aspect of all that? The Look positive at the access to all the knowledge that we have. What you said there, the I like that you're always looking at the positive side. I, well, and I, and I, I don't mean I like it well on the said, negative. I like what you said about Machu Picchu because it's like, well, for, there's an example. Uh, so somebody goes and they're like, the way the way you the way you narrated that is a perfect example of the, the wealth of knowledge available to us. And yes, we do have to discriminate whether it's you know, BS or not, but that's always been the case too. You sure. could pick up any old book about something and it could be total BS. Everything is a tool or a weapon. You know? Yeah, right. A tool and a weapon. But somebody might be like, oh, I watched, was watching this band and then they played at some place called Machu Picchu, which you and I know is, you know, uh, uh, was that uh, Peru? Machu Picchu. Yes. Inca, right? Yep. yep. So, Inca ruins in Peru in the mountains, the Andes Mountains, right? Yeah. So, but there might be somebody who, who finds that Machu Picchu, what is that even? You know, and it's just yeah. somebody that happens to be a band they like played at Machu Picchu, and then they do what you said. Now they're compelled to go find the information. How is this a whole lot different from when you and I had a stack of vinyl, and then it's like, oh, that guy's on this album, run down to the record store and find that guy on some other album, or, or, or find one of his own albums and bring it back. I and think then you're reading about this and you're like, go, go to your big stack of, 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 of National Geographics to, to look up the history of that instrument and then you go I think the difference your Encyclopedia in, Britannica off the shelf. I think the difference is in the effort you have to put into it. I think that before you used to have to work for all that. You had to walk to the record store, you had to dig through, you had to read, you had to do a lot of that stuff. Nowadays, in a five minute internet session, you might learn all kinds of information and facts, but how well are you retaining it? And without your phone, will you remember it? Because now our phones, you know, when they, you know, they said, you'll never have a calculator, so you need to learn how to do all this math. Well, now we have a calculator, we have an encyclopedia, we have our record collection, we have every movie, Every TV clip you ever, you know, we're on pace to having everything we ever would need in, the, in our pocket. And so without that, how much of our identity and personality is being absorbed into this phone? Like, how do I feel? Well, let me look up. Okay, that's the answer. <laughs> yeah. You know, and without our phone, we don't, we lose our information. I was thinking about this too when I was, you know, I was telling you about the, 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 the pictures. I like to make these movies. There's so many things that I've taken pictures of that I forgot about. I haven't looked at in 10 years. But you without have pictures. These. But you have these, and, 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 and they're made more convenient, you can, and you can document so many more But if things. I, you know, 
to, and you can go back and look at them. Yes. And they, they don't get warped in the sunlight, and they're in some right. cloud if your phone breaks. And, with less effort, you know, with less we effort. can maintain our memory. So, so then what you said about what about our identity, what happens to our identity? Anthropologists are on, at the, they see the, the the latest frontier, and I was reading this, I, uh, uh, so I'm going on what the people who wrote you know this stuff I read had to say. They're saying that the anthropologists now they're going well. Human consciousness, human identity is like the last frontier. What what and what is happiness? You know, so these are the things they're looking at now. So they're looking at like human spiritual ideas and things like that to try and understand what is what what is happiness? What is the human consciousness? Because we're getting all the other answers. We can make a human live as long as they don't get, get run over by a train or a bus. We can make them live for a very long time by continuing to replace parts like a car. You know, yeah, sure. Um, and and so we're looking at being immortal if we can afford to be. You know, and and we're looking at the advancement of artificial intelligence. We're looking at Microsoft just announced that they've used a strand of DNA to store data. So they 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 found a way when like one strand of DNA can hold a warehouse worth of data. You know, uh, it'll be years. I think they said before it's it's practical because it took them like 20 hours to to store and retrieve the word hello but the fact that they're able to do it you know and stuff so we've got this just but what what's that doing is that is 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 all of this being overused by people of course it is um but then well, yes, there are also people who are being freed up to right. take positives and negatives right to take so so like uh, uh if i didn't have a computer for the last you know, 20 years or more, and now my phone, and so I would have, all that time I would have had to hire somebody and pay them a wage that I didn't necessarily have because I'm an independent musician, you know, to, to do all that busy work, or I would have had to just do it all myself, stuff that, that just having a computer made like 10 times easier, and now, what I, my, my only motivation for getting a smartphone was uh, because I went on tour. And so when I went on tour, I was able to work from the car. Yeah. So there are these conveniences that then free up our, our minds if we choose to. Well, yes, it's If we choose to, we freeze up our minds because of the, the added conveniences that have been created and the wealth of information I can quickly gather and, and, and put to, to use. So if I'm synthesizing that information, then I am freeing up time for myself to use greater skill sets that I have or to use things that still we haven't figured out machines how to do. Doctors will be replaced by artificial intelligence faster than nurses because nurses make you feel better in the hospital. The doctor doesn't care if you feel better. The doctor cares to cure the disease. But the nurses have, have an important role you know, in, uh, in, in our overall emotional well-being. You know? And so the, anything that is emotionally based so has, has a more an important Android with a, An Android with emotion. With a nursing, with a nursing chip. Nursing chip, right. Yeah. That, you, that looks like everybody's mother. You know, the, the, uh, it reads your what, mind what is, and puts on their mother's face and tone. What was the one, that I, the one that I heard this one guy say? Uh, the, uh, the, the, the robots. Uh, or if you have robot, robot nannies. The robot mid, middle school girls soccer coach is a long way off. You know, <laughs> but the the uh, uh, the robot doctor is not very far off at all. You know, know. because of sure the analysis of, of, of the, you know the analysis aspect of the doctor's work. You know, and sure, the, there's yeah. a dystopian novel in there somewhere. If we're we're already in a dystopia by a lot of my count. I don't like dystopian shows because I'm like, well, just look around you. 
there's so much yeah. that's goofy, but that's why I, I look for the positive because there's so much negative crap flying around all day. Um, I, I, I have to not live with rose-colored glasses by any means because that's just naive, but I have to continue to, to flip things as much as possible so that I am, instead of complaining and lamenting, I'm celebrating and taking action. Because in my, in my opinion, if there's a problem, there is a solution, or we wouldn't recognize a problem. It seems to me like a mathematical certainty. If we recognize that there's a problem, there has to be a solution. You know? And how quick or slow we find it, or whether we find it in time, that's a whole different, whole different discussion, I think. But, I, I, you know, so the, the, the you know, just we're to not, remind we're everybody, not, we started talking about Machu Picchu. This is, this this is illustrating we my point. Yes. You go <laughs> so deep into these things. Uh, can I get a coffee? Do you want a coffee? I'd love a coffee. Thanks. Sure. Do you want cream and sugar? Yes, please. Okay. Um, I'll have to open a new one for that's you. Fine. Oh, yeah, but, that's fine. That's fine. One of the real moments, man. That's coffee right. Ordering. Yes, that's right. Tip your servers. Always tip your servers. Gratitude is one of the most powerful energies in the world. Universe. It's a karmic-based business, this whole living today. Yeah, it totally is. I mean, that's, uh, karma is a scientific thing. When you think about it, cause and effect, right? Yeah. Equal and opposite so. reaction, right? Um, fluid universe. Absolutely. So what about, your, what about your dream changed when you left L.A. and came to Chicago? Uh, well, I don't know if I ever really had a dream necessarily as I just had like a, a an imperative within me where oh that's my that's my honey's texting me Tony uh, all I knew was what I was what I felt I was good at and inclined to do and I was good at and inclined to do music and I wanted to know how to how to be a, a contributing member of society doing that. And in Los Angeles, it's a tough racket for musicians. Uh, there's many places that are pay to play, in fact. You can't even walk to the door unless you, you give them $100 and then they'll give you 20 tickets and say, now you gotta, fight, you, you gotta sell these if you wanna get, make your money back. So they take a production fee up front is what they're doing. You're presenting your own show. In essence, yeah. Well, even open mics, even open mics, since it's so competitive, they'd be like, "You want to play? Five bucks." Wow. There was a place in LA called Genghis Cohen's, <laughs> and uh, I went there for an open mic, and it was it was I wouldn't even packed really, but the ho maybe it's what the host made the deal with the venues. Like I'll do this, but you know, I'll do it for free for you, but I'll charge five dollars. I don't know how the setup was. I was very ignorant of the ways of. The inner workings of the biz back then. Since sure. I moved to Chicago, Chicago's been a very educational town for me because this is, as the saying goes, this is where people come to get good. LA is where they go to, to get made. And mm -hmm. I think that structure has changed significantly since the internet, but it used to work, you know, that's what it was in the 80s, it seems like, yeah. 70s and 80s. Hollywood does not hold the key to anybody's fame anymore no. because they can make a series and put it up on YouTube and it can get picked up. I find that a lot of these legendary towns and legendary places, by the time they become legendary and they have a reputation, the days are over. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. 
You know, it's like the thing where nobody goes there anymore. It's too crowded. Well, they say if Chicago had the weather of L.A., we'd have three times as many people here. Right. So it, Chicago winter keeps us, uh, I think, our current Well, we got plenty of land, area. land to spread. Yeah, we got like nine million people in the metro area, but that spans from the Wisconsin border to the Indiana border. So things changed in Chicago for me when, uh, when I thought I was going to be an asset to all these production people, you know, I have LA experience. I worked on this. I worked on that. I, I, I can, uh, I can hop right in and do this. But little did I realize that Chicago has Columbia College right in downtown, and That's there are my kids. alma mater. Yes, there are twenty-two-year-olds coming out every year with state-of-the-art technology experience, who will work twice as fast and for twice as cheap as me. And it sort of was a, you know, it made me think, I need to, I need to get teched up. I need to learn all this new stuff. I need to learn how to, how to do these things. And then also it kind of got me depressed. I was like, I'm going to go play some music at this open mic. And then I started meeting people who just did music. I was like, well, sure, I could do that. So music uh, as a therapy moved you in a new direction and helped you adapt. Yeah, I never considered myself a performing musician. I had done a couple of showcases and open mics in LA. Didn't you work on uh, cruise ships at one point? I did, after I moved to Chicago. Oh. Chicago got me my stage balls. Hmm. I started to sing and play, and I started to see people who, I wouldn't say that they weren't good, but I could tell that they weren't going to make it on their performance, but they were still having fun. They might be off-key, they might be playing bad songs, they might be, you know, something might not be striking. It's nothing I would purchase, but I saw that they were having fun, and it built up my confidence, because I'm like, well, having fun is half the battle. This is the place to do it. Then I could try that, you know? If you're doing something that you enjoy, then that's half the battle in finding a purposeful occupation. The you point. Know, and then the second part of that is just how do I, you know, pay the bills. And, and, and that's a nice order to put it in. People are afraid to do that. I think other people do it the other way around and try to find the joy in what they do. After and the sometimes fact. they never find it. And then, you know. Even when I had, uh, and I say this a lot with students and stuff, even when I had uh, the, the, the quote-unquote day job to pay my bills, um, it was connected to my work in music because it was helping me pay my bills so that I could do the music. So everything that I did had a purpose and that's what kept me going. Uh, I'd get very fatigued or I'd get sick or I'd be in financial straits or I'd have another divorce which, you know, or whatever, you know, all the things that hit the fan along the way. Yeah. Um, but the, the, what you're talking about, the music, going, continuing to go back to the music as the thing that, 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 that I loved, was always the key. So it, uh, additionally, so the music always being the first thing, now where was it going with that? The music always being the first thing, and then you responded by finding out, how, by looking at how to make that a living, all right? But having the fun part. Yeah. The, the, like you said, if that's half the battle, that's life, as my friend said, life is not supposed to suck. 
Yeah, that's quite true. And it will. And, <laughs> and it, it will. And it's it going to suck enough. Yes, there's no two Why ways about it. Why add to suck? There, there is, there is not Why a single person on this suck. planet that doesn't have crappy days, that doesn't suffer horribly at some point in their life, or maybe several points in their life. And yet there are some people who, in spite of that, excel at something. Uh, they find a tremendous gift, and they exploit it to, to the nines to, to build an incredibly inspiring life for themselves and the people that are around them get inspired too and that sort of thing. What's the difference between that person and this, and, and this other person? I think often, to, you know, who doesn't accomplish that, who is miserable and what have you, is simply their response or reaction, you know, in their life. You know? yeah. And so responding to something as opposed to just reacting. We all react. We all go like, oh man, I can't believe this happened, you know. But then how do we respond from there? Or do we just continue to react? Oh, the world's so this and that and this and that and this and that. Well, okay, you're done reacting, now do something about it. Yeah. You know, now you got your emotions dealt with honestly and openly. Now, now take some action so that you don't live in those negative emotions and, and you can move it forward. The most miserable I ever was in my life uh, was when I lost sight of these key elements myself as a musician. When I, it's the closest I came to quitting being, you know, being a musician. It's like hanging it up and just being like, ah, you know, what am I, is this worth, not, is it worth this, what am I doing? And, what was your plan B? And uh, I, I was just gonna uh, keep teaching, you know, whatever, I didn't care. I mean, that was the thing, I just lost all, all ability to care. And then Worry it about caused, that later, right? Right, and it caused me to fall into a deeper despair. And uh, it was it, like, you know, just not a place you want to go. Clearly a place that I needed to go because that's the other aspect of our lives. I needed to go there so that I could be fully reminded that, no, that is not me and that is not who I am. Yeah. That who I am is somebody who just, regardless of whether it's smart or not, it won't, refuses to give up and wants to continue to do this thing because ultimately I love what I do and I, and I have to make that work. Uh, I owe it to myself, I owe it to the people that I love and that love me to be happy, you know? And, and to continue to look for new ways to continue to make it happen. And some of the stuff you talked about was how to adapt, you know? You know? Thank you. No rush, and I can add to it. Okay. Uh, your, your ability to adapt, that's huge because so many people just won't. So you came here and you're like, oh, you know, and, and, and like, in a way that a lot of people do, by the way. I did that being from Chicago, going to other places too. I lived in Wisconsin, I lived in New Mexico. In both places, I'm from Chicago, and I said, nobody cared. You know, I'm an experienced <laughs> Chicago musician, and nobody cared, They're like, whatever, what are you doing here? Yeah. So, I the same thing happened to me, you know, and I don't think either of us was strutting into it, like, ha-ha. We just sort of made a, a fair enough assumption that coming from experience, we had a, we had a leg up, yeah. you know. But you get into a different situation, and people are living there for different reasons, and yeah. have different goals and objectives. Chicago loves the process. That's why we can get up in an open mic and not be all that good. And, and you didn't see people throwing anything at the people who weren't that good or yelling them off the stage or anything like that, did you? No, no. Right. It was just like, go to having fun. Go. That's what we're here for. Yeah. We love that. We, we enjoy that. That's, that's why people come to Chicago to get good. Although I like those places, you know? too. <laughs> I like the right. place that'll, that'll give on. you the realistic review. Oh, well, yeah. Tune your guitar. And if it's done, like in, especially if it's done in good fun, if people are just being malicious, it's like, right, right, right. I mean, in my life, I, like I literally have been heckled once in my entire life. 
And on my break, I confronted the guy, and it was all because uh, uh, I hadn't played a song he he, re uh, he requested. It was all it was. And so yeah. I, I, when I, I went ahead and played and ignored him, and when I took my break, I came over and I was like, "What's up? What's your problem? You know, what's going on? You, did, I told, you said you'd play this or that. You played this song, you know, when I, I, I said, I said, if the room warranted it, I told you I got to play the room. Oh, hey, I'm sorry, man. You know, what's can I buy you? Oh, it was something by Stone Temple Pilots. And because uh, they were big at the time. Yeah. And and he bought me a beer. That's a, it's so rare that that actually happens in like a malicious way. It's not at all the movies. No, I the think everybody just myth. wants to connect. Exactly. And he felt like you didn't want to connect with him. That's incredibly insightful. You know, I've told that story a hundred times and nobody's ever uh, nobody's ever pointed that out. Well, and I guess I, I succeeded inadvertently when I connected with him on my break. Yeah. And told him what was, you reminded him what was up and he was cool about it, bought me a beer. You I know, think so. that's ultimately, that's my overarching uh, theme is connection like I think that's always been my I've always wanted to connect with like I feel like when I was a kid all my friends were the jerks and it's <laughs> like I'll be friends with them because they'll like you know if I can get them to like me yeah. then I've done something right or something you know I, I, I didn't want to be friends with people that are already nice to me I wanted to be friends with the jerks you know I wanted to be I wanted to impress the girl that gave me the cold shoulder I wanted to why do you think that was I don't know I think it's. I think it's like I said. I think that there's something in me that that wants to, and that's what I do with music, and that's something uh, that the cruise ships taught me. So I mean, I haven't really been said too much about this, but uh, when I was on the cruise ships, I uh, had to play a lot of songs that I didn't want to play, yeah. because that's what some of the people, you know, your quote-unquote typical cruise shippers, yeah, cruisers, they're people that work. They might make some money, but they're, they're, they earn their money, and they work a lot, and this is their vacation. Sometimes you get people who, they've saved years for this trip. Uh-huh. So That'd be special. They're not, you know, I take for granted being around musicians and being in the music scene and hearing certain songs more than other songs. I'm like, gosh, if I have to hear Wagon Wheel or Sweet Caroline <laughs> or Wonderwall or right. Hotel California or, you know, there's a, there's a list. Sure. There's a list of songs where I'm like, I'm not going to play them unless somebody requests. And I used to be, I'm not ever going to play them. Right. You know, nobody really wants to hear Freebird. Right. It's a 20-minute song with five solos, nine <laughs> endings. Right. <laughs> but sometimes, somebody, if somebody's persistent, fine, I'll give you the Freebird. Because I take, like I said, I take for granted that people aren't always around music like I am. And so sometimes people's tastes are, they don't really even have, they don't even know what their tastes are. They like what's on the radio. And they like songs that make them feel good. And if they think, oh, I want to hear this song right now, they've never, they, they don't usually have access to a person right there in the room who can play an instrument and play it for them and even like change a word or two to make it personalized, that personal experience. And who am I to be like, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do, I'm not going to be your guy for you tonight. You know, I'm not going to play your, the song that you want to hear. You learn, like you said, play the room and the cruise ships taught me you got to play the room that's given sometimes it's not about you it's about you are decorating the time wallpaper that's what we call and the wallpaper gig 
Sometimes. I like those because I get to stand back there and play whatever. Yeah. And in some cases, because they're not even paying attention, I can stand back there and just run through uh, songs I haven't played in a while, open up my book of covers. and Your musical you know, room deodorizer. There know. to make the room stink a little less. Yeah, there you go. Because you are. I mean, <laughs> some, musical room deodorizer. And, and like if it. you can make it smell like, you know, whatever, you know, good weed, right. <laughs> then, then go for it. Um... What, um, what, um, and so, yeah, uh, that, that theme of connection. I, I've been because I've been thinking about this. I, I, because you know, everybody goes through the self reflective stages when they before they go to sleep or when they're sitting at the john. Like, what is making me tick? Why do I feel like this? Why am I feeling unhappy? What What's lacking? It's like, why, why did this interaction not work out? All I was doing was trying to connect, and I think ultimately. And I'm only speaking for myself. I think that's what I seek out is connection with others. That's why I would make music because I like, you know, anybody can make music in their room and just never see the light of day, never share it with anybody. Anybody can buy a guitar and just write songs and play music. Why do I feel like I want to get on a stage or I want to record this? I want other people to hear these things. And as artists, that's, you know, generally what it is. It's like you're trying to, you're creating something because maybe something has affected you. In your past, a song touched you, or a piece of work, a piece of art touched you, and you think, all right, well, that person spoke to me and shaped something within me. Maybe I could do something that someone else will connect with and say, or, or, or just experience it and, and find worth in it. And so that's what kind of keeps me pushing. It's like, you know, maybe, you know, and I'm always seeking musicians. I'm always checking out music in Chicago. There's so much out there. I don't, I don't give up on the hope that, you know, we'll all sort of see a better music scene here. Because I feel like there's a lot of negativity. It's negativity. With musicians. Maybe that's just a, a general trait of musicians. To oh. be kind of negative, it keeps that... The reading artist thing. I don't know. It could, it could be. Yeah, that's. that's I ask that same question. Why, why, uh, why the, the jaded talk after a certain amount of time in the music business? People are, uh, they want to complain about it. Um, and I've done my fair share of that too. Um, oh, who I had has, a story kind of like your like your. Uh, like you're offended gentleman. It's a funny cruise ship story. <laughs> I'm a... A lot of Australians cruise. Especially in their winter time. Oh, okay. Their winter time is our summer time. Sure. So, I was in... Uh, I think I was off the coast of... We were doing a Buenos Aires to Valparaiso, Chile cruise around Cape Horn. Okay. And it was a... It was a long cruise, like a three-week cruise. Oh. So, we were on the ship for a good long time with the same people. And usually cruise ship, you know, you do a week in the Caribbean, you get every week, every Sunday, new people. So you can do your, you can do your same set mm -hmm. over and over. Sure. But on this one, the people were there longer. There was a guy from Australia who we, we had, he was following me around because I played some songs and then uh, I played some songs he liked. And even some Australian songs. I was going digging deep in my Australian repertoire, you know, like <laughs> even, going in as New Zealand like Jiminy Colin Hayes songs oh yeah. yeah yeah interesting enough though he's not from 
he's, he's Scottish. originally Scottish, yeah. And when you listen to that song, I come from the London Under. Yeah. No, you don't. I can tell. <laughs> uh, when I was... Uh, so this this gentleman from Australia, he asked me to play a song called Click, 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 Go to Shears. And I said, what? He's like, you know, you know that song you go click, 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 all the shares, boy, it's... And I was like, what kind of... It's like, it's a sheep shearing song. <laughs> it's like something that, you know, I would have equated to take me out of the ball game or something, I guess. Sure, shit. yeah. Some, I was like, I don't know that, that song. Knows there. And he's like, how do you not know that song? How do you not know that song? You know? Yeah. And he wouldn't believe that I didn't know that song. Right. So he complained. It'd be like, if we didn't know uh, a Stephen Foster song here. Like uh, Camp Town Races or something. Right, right, right. Right, right exactly. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's one of those songs. So he thought that I was purposefully ignoring his request, like I didn't like, I didn't like him or something. So he complained to the hotel it's management. The crew, cruise managers. The, the, yeah, like the, the hotel. So it's, it's a floating hotel. So the first right. line of defense is our hotel uh, guest relations. So they had a file on me oh. of all the complaints. Right. It, was, it was a funny file because every every now and then they would share with people the complaints. You know, some of them were legitimate complaints, but a lot of them were just so it was cranky a, cruisers who were like, it, it, "You didn't tell you it was gonna rain. You didn't tell me that the beach was gonna be so sandy." So, did you ever get like a good laugh reading through those? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Forget, you'd sit there together and go, "Hey, here's a good one." He he would say, "Hey, I got a couple good ones for you." And this was one <laughs> of them. And I was like, "He complained to you about that?" Because I knew the guy exactly. I can still see him to this day. He looked like a like a mix between Indiana Jones and Benny Hill. This <laughs> <laughs> is chubby guy with the fedora. And, uh, oh, that's fun. And he uh, he played the guy, and he's like, "So you wouldn't you wouldn't play his song?" I was, like, I was like, "Have you ever heard this song?" And he's like, "And the guy was from uh, Portugal, so no, he didn't hear this song." <laughs> but there was some good ones in there. There was one where some lady got up and talked on the mic and said a couple words and they complained because they said that I let her get up there and I was like, I ah, didn't let her get up there. Some people just take liberties when they're on a cruise ship. Yeah. These older ladies with their ba ba boom I'm gonna do whatever I want. I used to be hot. <laughs> you gotta be nice to me. It's funny. Anyways. So, have you ever uh, thought about writing down some of the stories from the cruise? Uh, I've got some I've got some songs coming. Yeah, you got some songs. I got coming? some cruise ship related songs coming. I think I got. I, I've got a lot of little, little. I kept a little journal when I was doing that. Oh, good. That's some that's funny stories. That's stories, how I ended up compiling that book. That was my thing when I found myself so jaded about the music business. My fallback and probably the thing that ultimately saved me was I took all the downtime I had because was when uh, we were living in Wisconsin, and I wrote my book. Yeah, and then I polished it up over a couple of years until I got it to where it was a real book, you know. And it was in that writing process that I felt moved back into the arts for what I originally got into it for, what all people go to it for, the therapeutic aspects of it, the yes. quality of life that it gives us. Is music something we want, or is music something we need? Can it be both? Of course it can. But need supersedes the want. I think you yeah. can't live without it. Like, can I, people I think, live without music? Uh, I think yes, but it wouldn't be as good. 
Some people may ever, not be able to. I bet some people could, could pull their own plug if they didn't if they couldn't have music. Yeah. Uh, have you ever met anybody who just doesn't like music at all? Yes. Like not at all. Like they don't want to hear music. They they don't. They like talk radio. Yeah, I know oh, somebody but, like but, that. But they don't. But they don't. They. Well, I wouldn't say that. You know, if it comes on, they're like allergic to music. But they don't seek it. They out. have no tastes. They have no musical. I know some. I know one person. One person that has. That Is that has, in your whole life? You've known that one person. Well, or if I know you, one, then there must be more. Well, no, no doubt. Yeah. And I think that. Uh, and it's a funny thing to not like. It's like saying I don't like a color. Yeah. You know, and I can't be around. I just don't want to be around. But I know, I know, I know a person who. Uh, it's interesting. It was. Uh, I'm trying to remember who it was, but I. It was something that I that I knew through someone in L.A. Somebody I might have met at a party or something. It may. It could have been bullshit too. Yeah. It, it could have just been being yeah. funny. But the but the case they made for it was like, huh, that's interesting. Yeah. Like they they just don't. Feel a connection, need, a, need a need to to hear music. It's like, what kind of music? Do I, I don't have any music. I just, you know, and maybe like even even listening to the radio, they might not get any joy out of it. It just might uh, pass the time. Maybe they don't want to be interesting. Quiet. I, I, but it's be, interesting to me to to as someone who grew up in a house full of music between my parents and my brothers and sisters, there was always music going on. Yeah, me and too. I learned very early how happy people could be with music. Yeah. And it made me happy. I had a record when I was a little kid. And I can't imagine, you know, maybe somebody grew up in a house that was very strict, no music. And it harkens back those feelings. Like they feel yeah. they feel wrong if there's no music. Yeah, yeah, we have a lot of programming that, we, that a lot of people don't yeah. learn to even deal with uh, the, the programming that we get when we're little kids. You know, so one of the one of the other podcasts I did, a guy was a guy was talking about that. That he said he said that by the age of seven, uh, we've we've gotten all our programming, and then it's That's rest. Scary. Yeah, and it's by the, the the rest of our life. Then, especially after we become you know adolescent and, and, and adult. Uh, we spend trying to rewire the programming to create something positive in the, in, you know, for our later life. If we, if we consciously choose to do so, do you find yourself making constant conscious effort to improve as a human being? And if you do, do you relate that to being a creative person? We were talking about, for instance, I, diets at the beginning. Before yeah, we, I mean, when, when we sat down to eat here, we were talking for for people who are listening. We were talking about uh, healthy eating and stuff, yeah. and the efforts we we make and often fail at, to come back and try again. To you know, so the, the self improvement path. Yeah, you know, I think the second part might have a lot to do with the first part. I don't know if it's. How did you phrase it? You did do do okay, I? Uh, do, do you find, do you I, find I, that you have? Uh, <laughs> do you, that you're a constant? Yeah, yeah. Can we rewind myself? <laughs> we can. Constant improvement. Do, do, we, do you do you find that you make a constant effort at improving as a human being? And do you think that that relates to the fact that you're a creative person? Right, 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 right. Uh, Glad I, I think the create. I think yeah. I think the. Am I a creative person? I like to create. I think that's one of those. I think every 
person is creative. I agree. I think every person has something that they do. They have to. I can't imagine us being, you know, and that's another weird thing about how, you know, people, like, they're so different. Some people don't get jazzed about art. Some people, and then I also wonder if some people just, just take crap on art just as a matter of, like, their politics, their personal, because they brought, they don't, they want to impress their buddies and, you know, say, oh, why do we, why do we care about that? I could have done that, or, but, there, but there's then a certain look, amount of that, certainly. There's a certain amount of, of decisions we make that are, are designed to, uh, Philistines, we call them, you know, yeah. But a lot of that thing, I think it's an act. I think it's a lot of, uh, it's a, it's a lot of peer pressure. It's cultural needs. And as far as, I, yes, I, I'm always seeking to better myself, I think. But then I also go through waves of accepting what I am and, and trying to rationalize, all right, is this, what, why, why improve myself? What's wrong with me now? This is how I am. I'm predisposed to be this certain way. What choices am I making? And even if I make the choice to improve myself, I was already predisposed to make that choice. But if I didn't, then I was predisposed to do that. Like, how much control do we really have? This illusion of control, I think, is, you know, because we are what we are. And if it's true that we're programmed before we're eight to seven, then how, how are we responsible for how we are based on a time, a period of time where we have literally no control? Like, we are a very dependent species. Yeah. We cannot survive without each other. Without first at least I would say three years of protection and nurturing yeah. from our from guardians from external guardians so yeah those are some probably important years there and then you become this person but you're still carrying that program with you and then if you decide to be this way or that way how much choice do you have in having the will to decide that or maybe if you didn't recognize it and then also how much how much of what you consume and are exposed to creates who you are. How much, you know, if I ate chili peppers my whole life, would I be angrier? <laughs> but if I ate sugar all my life, would I be another way? You know, like, we are, our, our, person, our persona, we are a brain and a, we are a brain, what's that image of the brain and the, and the nervous system wrapped inside of a meat soup? Yeah, yeah. yeah, but who we are is is Bag just of bones. In, is, yeah. Who yeah. we are is just in that. But how much do the chemicals we put into our body influence that? They say a lot. A lot. Science you know? shows and, quite a bit. Yeah. And so, where do we begin? And this meat suit end and begin. Where? Who? Who are we? That's back to the big, the big question and that so, even science is looking at. What's what is happiness? What is human consciousness? And so, where do I? Where do I start saying? Uh, I want to be a better person. Well, you can want all you want. Can you? You can try. Can you act on it? Can you act on it? Can oh, you yeah. change? We see and people if, do it all the time. And if you know, and I think everybody owes it to themselves, and every I think everybody owes it to the world to be happy. Nobody's asked to be born. Nobody's asked to live here. Nobody's, you know. But here we are, and we don't choose what when we can live, but we can choose how we live, I guess. So then there's kind of an answer in and of itself, isn't it? 
the maybe the, the uh, you say everybody owes it to, to themselves to be happy and to everyone around them really in a sense because we're interdependent. So if I'm going to make an effort to be happy, then I'm going to look at things that aren't working, and the only person I have control of is myself. Exactly. To whatever degree we think that control can 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 uh, escalate or affect anything, uh, and, and so I'm going to take whatever control I can muster to change myself first because that's the only person I can do anything about to make my life better to make myself healthier and thereby probably happier etc all these things uh, just like in the plane uh, you know you got to put your own mask on before you can help somebody else well, yeah, but, yeah, I think totally. there's a lot of truth in that everywhere else I mean yes I think that a lot of people help others first and, and why because it makes them feel better but in that right. sense they're helping themselves first and that's so. why they have to give that instruction on the airplane they, we have to be reminded to help ourselves first because we want to help other people, we want to fix other people. But we forget that we have to take care of ourselves initially. Uh, I, you know, the other thing I've, been, I've come to realize is having people go and read my book, and, uh, and that's not a commercial, people who are listening, it's just my experience. Fullcircle.com. Yeah, right, Fullcircle Music. Oh, Fullcircle Music. Yeah, there we go. Thank you, Ian. <laughs> The, uh, the, but having people come back to me after they read my book and tell me the things they got out of it, I realized that my own journey of sharing my tremendous frailties and faults and my journey along the way and coming out in one piece on the other end of it so far, you know, uh, was the best way that I could help other people, you know, was to go through it all myself. And so as the more of that kind of stuff that emerged and then the reviews that... that, that, that that, that confirmed those, those same feelings people were sharing with me, uh, that the reviewers had those same feelings, uh, then I was like, oh, that's why all that happened. That's why I went through all that stuff, was to, to experience my life uh, on my terms for good and bad, and to come out uh, uh, in one piece at, at this point and continue to strive to move forward in spite of all the, the, the shit I threw at myself most of the problems in my life were self-inflicted, except for health issues that I, you know, came in, you know, to this world with. Uh, but those even were ex escalated by you know, my mistreatment right. of them, etc. But to somehow, in spite of all these faults and everything, to come out, to, to step out, you know, years later, around age 50, and go, oh, well, well here I am. Uh, I owed it to other people, but I did it for myself because I just didn't want to die. You know, I wanted to, you know, and I didn't want to give up. Because to me, giving up is death. Because yeah. why am I here if I'm going to give up? The only way to win is keep going. It doesn't mean I do the same stupid thing over and over again and hoping that that will work, you know, but that I just don't give up on myself and I don't give up on my life and I don't give up on the things I'm trying to pursue in my life. I continue to adapt. I continue to figure out where to go with this and that, etc. So that, that uh, you know, maybe one other person will go, hey, if that clown can do it, so can I. Yeah. And I feel like now when I have people respond that way, it spurs me on because we're an interdependent species. When people say, wow, that, you know, that thing in your book, that, was, that helped me, you know, or that, that thing in your song, I've had that happen, that thing in your song, it helped me, or whatever. All I was doing was just creating, like, I, you know, that's the only thing I really know how to do. And so we continue to, to move it forward. And I do, so I do think just by default, our, 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 when we make, have the desire to improve ourselves, it's, inter, it's interlocked or interchangeable, whatever, I don't know which, <laughs> with our creative self, because our creative self is continuing to make new. 
new this, new yes. that, new, new. So our self begins to change. Every yeah. time we express a song, we have changed our psyche. Every time we write a yeah. song, that is, we've changed our well, psyche. Well, you're shedding skin. Right. Like a lizard. Yeah. You know, part of it's ego. Sure. Yeah. Part of it is, is how good can I do? I, I, you know, I, I think this is pretty good. I think somebody else will like it. But then another, another part of it, much like Bowie, who I think is, you know, one of the more creative musicians we've seen. Yeah. Because he was able to reinvent. He created something. Could have sat back and not created anything else. I admire those kinds of artists who who keep going even after they've, they've hit a peak. Yeah. They're like, well, let's go climb another mountain. Let's go try this. Let's, 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 do, let's do this now. And, uh, and you have to, yeah, it, for those who can't help but create, you know, that's just, there's no, there's no alternative but to just keep, keep making, keep, keep realizing your visions, you know, get it out of your head. And that's kind of my position is I've got, I've got ideas in my head that I need to get out so that I can have more ideas. Because yeah. they're coming, and I don't want to. I don't want to turn off the, the spigot. Yeah, I want to get it out. I'm gonna, that's why I. That's why I record. Drink a lot of water, I see. Yeah, there's a, there's a two, two, two diet cokes. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was like two empty diet cokes. Oh, one thing of water. I was just laughing at that. The, the number. Yeah, you know, you can't see this, but Phil's got three water glasses. Yep, three, two, two of them are diet cokes. Yeah, yeah two of them are. Why are there two diet cokes? Diet. I don't know, but he doesn't like the water. Two, two finished diet, diet cokes and one water. Yeah. But we create. So that we can create more. Yeah, we create so we can create more. That sounds pretty trite, but well, we, do. you have to clear clear the slate. It's like an etch a sketch. You know, you've done it. Okay, great. Now shake it up and do something else. But at least this way, we get to preserve our creations. Any any uh, anything to add to that before we we call it a podcast? Oh gosh, I don't know. Uh, Support local music. <laughs> Support local music. <laughs> As I go. try to say that over. And be nice to everybody because we are all we all are just branches of the same organism. That's true. Detached. Leaves on the same tree. Pick pick your metaphor. Yeah. We're all there just together. Be kind. We're, all, we're all in this together. Yeah. And as always, it's a great pleasure. This is one of the, I, 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 this is like one of the coolest things to be able to do uh, in, in, in the world to me is to sit and talk with people like we're doing. And that's why I started this this podcast was to begin to share this. I'm incredibly grateful because I think about the number of fascinating people that I know. I'm very hard put to talk to somebody I know, and we don't have an interesting conversation, you know, and. Uh, that's uh, even if we ramble and go off on tangents and don't have a point with things. I'm saying a bunch of words in my head. Maybe you all can rearrange them into a point for me and send it, <laughs> and send back, it back and let me know what I said. <laughs> yes, exactly. I'd appreciate it. Open dialogue <laughs> is a beautiful thing. Thank you for listening. Ian, where can we find you? Every Tuesday at uh, the Friendly Tap for Moose Day Tuesday, I in play Berwyn, Illinois. in Berwyn, Illinois. Outside I'm of constantly Chicago. playing everywhere in Chicagoland. And, uh, and the website my, or the location? Uh, building website. You know, you can Google Ian Leith, and there's a dentist in Canada and a, and a guy in Oklahoma that plays fiddle. But 
I'm usually the, at least the top three of those. Ian Leith, spell Leith. L-E-I-T-H. It's like Keith with an L. And uh, yeah, I'm in a band called Does Buzz and Cousins. We play around Chicago land, so, you know, there's ways. All right, there it is. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Phil. Peace.